0: Zero Seven is a legendary European down-tempo pop group with releases spanning three decades. Beginning as T-Boys at a London recording studio, producers Henry Binns and Sam Hardecker began releasing their own pop-influenced electronica and ambient jazz. Zero Seven continues to explore the likes of Acid Jazz, Funk and laid-back Soul as they expand their collection of enduring style and music worthwhile. You're tuned in to Roots to Grooves.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back what? to another episode of Roots to Grooves. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, across from me is Jay Purcell. I am Jesse Quigley. Yes. Like Jay said, that makes us Roots to Grooves.
1: Yeah, we've uh, you know been gone for a little bit off camera, but no one would know because we keep busting out the episodes on a weekly. Working hard behind the scenes. Working hard behind the scenes. Yeah. And posting uh, content. Yes, getting becoming social media marketing managers. Yes, and, <laughs> and we're excited. Uh, so yeah. the first
0: episode in 2022 that we we're recording. Yeah. It's come out in a couple of months. So hello, future
1: people. Hello, future people. We're with you. We're right there with you. We yeah. love you. Uh, We've done a lot of uh, great episodes, I think. It's a, a year, by the way almost this, this, yeah. I, I, i'll have to look up when our first episode dropped but i think it was around february 2020 okay in the thick there of covid come. or the second the the or 20 was it no 2021 shit yeah okay yeah. We're in 2022 now i was just no, having we... this conversation with someone because you know how everyone said 2020 wasn't a year yeah that... and now we're in 22 i'm realizing that 21 was kind of a lost year as well yeah. a little bit but it wasn't really lost because like as i said february we dropped our first mm-hmm. episode of Screams. Mm-hmm. Pretty much did every week throughout the year. I missed a couple of weeks early, but no, we're early proud on, of what, but yeah, we're proud of what we accomplished. Yeah, and the, and I want to thank the listeners out there because we do get we're we're, we're getting uh consistently like 200 listeners a week. Yeah, thank you for listening. In, yeah, and uh, we're on YouTube as well. Excuse me, and um, yeah, this is this is good stuff. And then this week. Talking about this group out of UK, zero seven, yes zero seven. So
0: this is a cool group. Yeah, um, Henry Bins and Sam Hardiker. Yeah, the they're duo. the two main guys. Yeah, I would say. And then it's a band yeah. with a little bit of a rotation of different vocalists. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and and musicians. Would you yeah. say is that fair? Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. And what so I've of.
0: I've seen them on stage with seven or eight people even. Yeah, and they've they've got drums. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, even acoustic guitar, a lot of their songs. They're they're chill wave, not, yeah. maybe not chill wave, but down tempo, yeah. chill out
1: type music. Yeah, a lot of people call them like the original chill out, down tempo, mm-hmm. lo-fi stuff in the early 2000s. Because their yeah. first album was 2001. So, you know, damn. But it's their their music is out. quite timeless.
0: Yeah. I as I, so, as yeah. I was listening. yeah, It, yeah, it yeah. could have come out um, stuff, for example, off their first album mm-hmm. could have come out. In the '70s, almost you could hear, yeah, you know, something that sounds like, you know, a lot of the music sounds kind of nostalgic, like it's coming from yeah. another time, yeah, yeah. or yeah. you know, it feels like memories when you listen to it, yeah. Um, and I it, this seems consistent through a lot of different people who listen, and that's kind of what draws a lot of people to Zero Seven, yeah, yeah. Um, is that yeah. kind of common thread of yeah. feeling of nostalgia and
1: timelessness, yeah, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool, and a lot of nostalgia for me particularly as well, yeah, because uh, I discovered them right at in 2001 so right <laughs> but, when they were coming onto the scene yeah white right, right when they dropped this out their first album because it was kind of big in the uk it was mm-hmm. it was a mainstream release mm-hmm. and they're on tv all the time their singles were played on the radio um they were in the they're in the top 10 i think maybe in the charts so they they they, were, they made some waves they might have got number one i think for a little bit yeah with a track with sia mm-hmm. sia being people don't know i think she's from Australia or New Zealand? Uh, I think Australia, you're Australia. right. but she moved to the Europe. Yeah, and she was like an early collaborator, and she was on this first album. I mean, yeah, let's but, just stop right there. But yeah, was, sorry, yeah, I'm was, getting ahead of myself. That was but,
0: one yeah. of the most amazing <laughs> things because I, I. I mean, two things. I, I was at work one day, like years ago, and I recognized one of these songs. Okay. It was one of the tracks on the playlist. Yeah. And I was excited. I was always like doing my work. I was like, this is a good song. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know who it was till years later, till now, doing this research. when oh, wow. Pointed okay. out Zero Seven. Damn. Then second thing, I didn't realize Sia was their original singer. Yeah. The same Sia that
1: we hear on the radio on these huge, yeah. you know, EDM tracks. Well, it was funny because when she started getting big again in America, she mm-hmm. got big in America for a bit and um, she's done like carpool karaoke. She's been on mm-hmm. Ellen, like mainstream stuff. Right. But it was funny because she, I think she had this whole look where she had this wig where she was hiding half mm-hmm. of her face, kind of like a Lady Gaga type thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I randomly watched a video today. She was on Ellen and they were going to do the big reveal of her face kind of thing. And, And I was like, wait a minute, like when, when she was getting big, like a couple, a few years ago, I don't know how long ago it was, that stuff was maybe two, three years ago or something like that or longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I was like, is that the seer from Zero Seven? Like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And sure enough it is. And I thought it was kind of funny that her whole kind of shtick a little bit was about hiding her face, but. Mm-hmm. But like twenty years ago, she was out there in the open in the UK performing, mm-hmm. and on all these TV shows and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's like, you know, no, yeah, her career is yeah. a little bit of a backwards
0: thing because she stepped yeah. out of the spotlight, being the the main yeah. vocalist for Zero Seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their first like three albums. Yeah, and then she wanted to do her own thing, yeah. and so she started, and it was a little slower going as a complete solo artist. But then yeah. she got some fame in her own right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, it became pretty popular in different genres of music. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, it got popular. So she her face was being plastered everywhere. It, she was hiding it. Yeah, but she was you know on screens.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and you know everyone was knowing who she was at least. Which is something was interesting as well because I think some of the people that I, I, I looked I looked at some old interviews with Sia from like 10, 15 years ago before she got big in America. Mm-hmm. And and some of the people commenting on there were like, oh, yeah, she's a true artist. Like she's mm-hmm. not, um, you know, her current image is like a pop star sort of thing. And she's really sort of not milking it, but she's sort of doing it on purpose, I think, for a an image I mean, play I, and stuff like that. Yeah, Prom- I think she just PR found thing.
0: herself in this situation. And now she's just <laughs> kind of riding this wave. She's like, yeah. I didn't ask for this, but here I
1: am. Yeah. I'm just going to keep going with the flow yeah but then the stuff she was talking about like way back in the day was like really about the music and the artistry and stuff like that and people will recognize it i think people that have gone back in time to see her old interviews mm-hmm. realize that and and yeah again this is what she was doing with zero seven and mm-hmm. like back in the day and which is it's but, super yeah. cool to see this yeah. this to me it
0: was you know just kind of wild to see like, wow, that Sia was in 07 in this cool band mm-hmm. doing singer-songwriter stuff and nobody knew who she was. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just a cool story. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's what was excited. Uh, um, what excited me while I was doing this research was yeah, yeah. a couple of these little tidbits. I knew some of the music from before. I didn't know who it was. Yeah. I didn't realize Sia was part of this band. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of fun yeah. um, checking out 07. Definitely. Yeah. It was fun to learn about them. A
1: lot of cool stuff. They're groovy, they're chill, Yeah, um, just real good music. Yeah, um, they've been described as trip-hop, electronica, down-tempo, acid jazz, mm-hmm. ambient, chill-out. Uh, for me, um, I thought that there's definitely some parallels with Air, you know, the French band. I was going to bring that up too, yeah. Yeah, on the, fir- on the first few albums at least. Mm-hmm. Some very particular tracks for me that sound... Like air. Really you know? similar yeah. in that timelessness feel and yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of chill but groovy feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. And um, I also thought maybe there might be a little bit of a parallel with Men I Trust, maybe. Mm, yeah. And, and a group we did an episode on.
0: Yeah, I could what definitely, that, that
1: chillness and the softness yeah. and the intimacy. Yeah, yeah. I could definitely see parallels there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I mean, what we said Henry Binns and Sam Hardecker other two guys. Yeah, so let's back it up a little bit, let's see back, where these guys came from. Yeah.
0: They were they were friends in Camden. Yeah. Is that in the UK or
1: where is that? Yeah, so like a area of London. I don't know. Jay's are you, our personal UK geography. <laughs> trying to translate into American terms. Yeah. Like if you think of New York and you think of Manhattan. Right. And all these different areas. Like Camden is an area in right. London. And um, yeah, I spent a lot of time out there. So it used to be... Uh, I played some shows in Camden as well, actually. Oh, know, nice! With my band, um, and it, it's changed a lot actually. When I was there, and probably when these guys were kicking around, it was a little, a lot more um, uh, genuine in terms of like the music scene and the culture scene that was happening there, sort of thing. It's coming. Um, artists were more organic what would you say yeah like it was it was definitely like the area of london to go and you could find a music club any night of the week and you'd find some bands playing there you know indie bands from london and from outside of london like Mm -hmm. a lot of people uh, did their early years performing in a lot of venues in camden and like Think about a cup four years ago or less when I went back there didn't have that same vibe anymore. It seemed mm-hmm. more touristy now, more um I think it's the same of any like sort of area of a city that can become gentrified right the, everything the price is raised, so the people that are there creating the music move out right to other areas that are cheaper and stuff like that so and it's a shell of what it was kind of yeah um but yeah, but these guys were living there and uh it's fun. I think like Henry made a comment about them, him uh, knowing Sam as a kid, mm-hmm. but then I watched an interview with Sam and he was, he, he was asked how they met and he couldn't remember. He was sort of like, he was really like struggling hard to think. But the one thing he did remember, he said he was in Camden and they, they at that time you still knew a lot of mutual friends and stuff like that. Right. And he said one day he was just walking down the street Henry was coming towards him and he was mm-hmm. wearing these big uh, orange headphones, is what uh, Sam remembered. So, this must have been like early 90s? Um, like, yeah, mid 90s. Early mid 90s? 90s A yeah. few years before they got started. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and Henry was like, took his headphones off and was like, here, listen to this. And, uh, and Sam said it was just like some old soul track. He didn't, mm-hmm. couldn't remember the name of it or whatever. Yeah. Um, I,
0: I think I saw that interview too. I think he mentioned the weather report.
1: Yeah. As one act that they were into. Yeah. Um, He said like after that moment, they decided to hang out a lot more. mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, it wasn't for a few years until
0: they actually started making music. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So still they, in these days, they were just um, they were intru- interested, they were intrigued, and they, they yeah. had these ideas kind of flowing. But yeah, once once they met, it took a couple of years or a few years for them to actually start making beats and putting together music.
1: Yeah, I think um, like Sam was maybe more of a music appreciator, more coming out from a DJ standpoint and sampling, right, with really like primitive gear back in that time. He said Henry would come over and they'd just basically get stoned and Sam would play vinyl records. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it would be like Herbie Hancock or Weather Report. Nice, um, Herbie. Yeah, Sam said he would borrow these records from like some older guy that he knew that was into this stuff. And, and basically, Sam's thing was he was trying to listen for breaks and beats that he mm-hmm. could like sample. And um, and he said like when he got into some of the harder like prog jazz fusion-y stuff that like Henry would lose patience and like leave kind of thing because he, <laughs> like, he wasn't into it he was yeah. like more into like old soul type stuff and right that kind of thing. um but then I think like they sort of did that for a while but then they kind of didn't really see each other um for a while after that and but there was a point when Henry got a job in a big commercial recording studio right and he randomly called up uh Sam one day and said um, I know, like, we have a job here available, like, as like an engineer assistant sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I know you're interested. Like, you know, John, are you interested? And he was like, Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> and I was uh, like, Heck yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So. Uh,
0: that studio was
1: Mickey Mosts, right? I haven't heard of Mickey Mosts. Yeah, but Mickey
0: yeah. Most, You know, it sounds like Mickey Mouse. Obviously, I guess it's a play on Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Mickey Mosts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Why I wrote this RAK. R-A-K? Yeah, Mickey Most, R-A-K, I don't know, recording studio in London.
1: But anyway. Mickey Most, Rack, yep. R-A-K Studios. Yeah, you see that too? Oh, what I guess maybe he- they uh, it got renamed at a certain point. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's now called Rack Studios. still exists. Looks like it was founded in 76 by Mickey Most, who was a record producer. Mm-hmm. He worked with The Animals, Jeff Beck, Donovan, Susie Quatro, Kim Wilde. Yeah. Some big
0: cats. Uh, Yeah, Um, yeah. So as far as I saw, they started working at this place. And were they both T boys? I think at at the uh, very beginning, they started kind of at a lowly job, is what I picked up.
1: I don't, I don't really know, yeah, exactly what they did there. Right, they were like helping the engine. I got, I got the
0: impression they started kind of as T boys, whatever you call them. Yeah, and then, and then started producing because they were obviously interested in music, and they, I don't know, built a relationship with the. Yeah, their fellow coh- cohorts and yeah. associates, and yeah. Yeah. they were allowed to start working on
1: projects and with musicians yeah. and artists. Yeah, I do know. Like Sam said, that um, he said it was a big commercial studio, so they'd have a whole range of different things that would come through there. Like mm-hmm. he said, some days it would be recording like a small orchestra for something. Uh, the other times it would be people coming in to overdub stuff on records that they're finishing. Mm-hmm. Um, other times it would be big projects like for like six to eight months, like recording an entire album. Um Yeah, I had yeah. a couple of notes. Like they're yeah. doing
0: working on strings of well known British musicians like Pet Shop Boys. Right, yeah. Robert Plant. Yeah. Of mm. uh that one band. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, they were yeah. they had a, some success. I hear they point. were popular. Yeah. yeah. Eh. All, yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, so they were basically honing in their production skills and getting a lot of yeah. Real good hands-on experience with real artists
1: and real professionals. Yeah. And, and Brian Eno, I think Sam said he was in a session where Brian Eno was working mm-hmm. in the studio. and Yeah, Sam said it was like, yeah, like you're saying, it's great because they were basically in the corner of the room and wouldn't talk. Yeah, like, like fly on the wall. Fly on the wall. Watching and, legends like Eno. Yeah. And then they're, they're only doing a thing if they were asked to do something mm-hmm. for their job or whatever. Tea. And that. Yeah, exactly. Where's the Tea. tea. <laughs> But yeah, like you said, it was, uh, Sam said it was really good to see how all these musicians were working together. How, like, from everything, from the collaboration to the arguments, like, they saw it all. Like, seeing uh, how the sausage yeah. is made. Like, yeah, this yeah. is how you go from nothing to a yeah. great record. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of beautiful stuff. And um, and then so, you know, they were still friends, obviously, working in the same place, Henry and Sam. And basically, when the studio was empty, it wasn't booked, they would... Um, go in and mess around with the gear Mm -hmm. um back then we're talking like late 90s so it was like when these old akai samplers were out i had one a long time ago Mm -hmm. i figured out how to use it just a little bit and then it got stolen when someone broke into my house and stuff but (laughs) blasted (laughs) but it was basically I'll, I'll a image on the screen right now. I can't remember the model make, but I'll find it and it'll be on the screen right now. But basically it was this nice. rack mounted Akai sampler unit. I see. Yeah, you see. It has uh, all the buttons on it. It's like a little yeah, LED op- screen. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we have to get a, screen, a TV in here so I can actually show uh-huh. you as I'm talking. Yeah. Um, but it was weird. It was like, it's a very complicated, clunky thing, but it's a sampler. So basically you can record sounds into it. You can plug like a MIDI keyboard into it. Mm -hmm. And then you can map the sound the same way as you do now in like um, whatever, Ableton Logic and all that sort of thing. Right. But it was like back then it was hardware. They also had this one called Atari, which was a rack mounted thing as well, but you plugged it into an external computer monitor and have like a bigger screen that you could use for editing samples right. and stuff like that. And
0: it was the same company as Atari. Didn't they make like games, yeah, like yeah. video games? Yeah, same yeah. company? Yeah, yeah. Technology
1: company? Same, I think it was a computer. So yeah. I mean, yeah. Mostly used for games, but then also music. Uh, early music sampling. Nice. Yeah. So um, good for them. Yeah. And that's, Basically, what these guys were doing, they were like, you know, they were bringing in old records, they were sampling, they were were making loops, they were like figuring out how to use the gear. And they said they made some like early like house dance music tracks and stuff like that. Um, They said some of it was like they thought sounding pretty good, but they didn't have any confidence to like um, really share it. Mm-hmm. He said at one point they made 50 white label vinyls which is back in the day when you make the vinyl with just literally a white label on it no information hand it out to DJs and stuff. Mm-hmm. He said Sam said they only gave two away and he has, still has like 40 he something. He still them. has some? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. back, back in 2006 he did. So Okay. Uh, Man. Um, but yeah that was like it was funny like they you just didn't have any they didn't have any confidence in what they were doing. They no conviction. Making, no conviction yeah which is I thought was well I think they were com- they had the conviction to like make do stuff right but they mm-hmm. didn't have the the um the faith the yeah, the yeah still a conviction in putting out the music right to and, share uh, it to share it and stuff like right. that. Right. That's um, a big step. Yeah yeah. I and mean,
0: these were kids. They're pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. late teens or early 20s. Yeah. When
1: it's true yeah. When yeah. they're getting this experience basically so. Yeah yeah. Um but, uh, but it was through this process of working in the studio and messing around with the stuff and making a few tracks that a few friends and friends of friends have heard. Mm-hmm. Somehow they were asked to remix a Radiohead track from Karma Police, the Karma Police album. Who asked them? I mean, I don't know about this. I don't know. Yeah. There were somewhat unknown people at this time. Yeah, they, they, were w- just, they didn't have a big name for themselves. No, they were just, you know, in the studio obviously not they, even under the name zero seven just no these two guys yeah Perry and sam yeah yeah and actually i think they said they took a vacation somewhere and they were staying at this resort it was called sierra siet mm. and so when they did the radiohead remix they had to have a name for who remixed it mm. and then they chose zero seven and then they just stuck with it apparently which is where the name comes from <laughs> it was uh yeah
0: Zero Seven's the name of a nightclub. Right, okay, yeah. In Honduras. In Honduras. Okay, is that the yeah. same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, let's let's fast forward. They got their name. They got asked to, to do this um, remix. Yeah. Should, should we play the remix? Should yeah, we hear that? Yeah, we'll see. And um, then we'll get into Zero Seven's own material.
1: Absolutely, So let's, yeah. give a, let's give a listen to this awesome Radiohead remix that they were asked to do. So this is technically, I think, their first official release minus... The white label vinyls that came out. But this came out for real to the public. Remix of Climbing Up the Walls from Radiohead. The Wolves uh, by Radiohead, a remix by 07, um, pretty much the first official release from 07, and it was out in 97, around the same time <clears throat> the album came out off of uh, OK Computer.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah. yeah I've never so. heard that. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Awesome mm-hmm. remix. Yeah, yeah. So You can see how they add that chillability. Yeah. And it was funny. I think Sam said, like, they made it, and they didn't really know what it was. They were mm-hmm. like, we don't even know what this is. We can't classify this. Like, yeah. <laughs> what genre is it yeah and um people started playing it though and were into it you know um i think obviously like a lot of djs um knew about it because i think back then like they it was a it's a weird time eh? i think they really do it this much anymore with like big artists would have remixes done of their tracks and some of them would appear as like b-sides on singles Um, Some would just be released strictly to DJs. And I think it was a way to sort of like for like an indie band like Oasis to get into the clubs. Mm -hmm. Instead of playing the track straight outright, they'd play a remix of it. Right. Hoping that people might be like, oh, what's the original? And And connect the the dots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little marketing action there. Yeah. But I don't know if that really happens anymore. Maybe a little bit, but not in the same grand scale. I don't know. Not the same as back then when that was like the only
0: option to market yeah. Not everybody had a a phone screen in their pocket, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, couldn't get the word out that quick. Yeah. yeah. So the, the clubs, yeah, the with front the lines. lines, the front lines. Yeah, you know, yeah. You get get the word out. Yeah. So awesome. Um, yeah. So that came out.
1: What year was that? Ninety seven. Okay. And then that, um, it kind of led them to do about. I think they said they only did like five remixes total, but off of the back of that one, they were asked to do other ones. Like I think Lenny Kravitz um, people asked them to redo a track of his as well got you um so yeah they were kind of like the remix kings for a little bit like (laughs) yeah
0: cool and then they go uh they come out with their first ep this is titled ep yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. in 1999 yeah and that's uh that was a handful there was only a handful of copies made yeah uh i don't know what that means probably like 20 yeah or 50 or something like that and i guess they sold out right in a matter of days yeah yeah so their their marketing strategies working. Yeah, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, and that that you got anything else on that EP?
1: Um, no, just the fact that I think um, they were starting to make their own music around this time. Like they didn't want to just keep doing the remixes. Mm-hmm. They wanted to do their own stuff, and and it kind of manifested. Like basically, the first album, Simple Things. They said it kind of fell together because it was basically. A combination of like two separate eps that they put out okay and then they put those together and sort of fleshed them out a bit more hmm. and added a couple of other songs um and yeah so like a lot of those tracks that are on those first eps are on this album probably slightly changed a little bit on, on which rem- album Remixed mixed on simple things on simple first, okay yeah.
0: got you so that's the story on ep2 yeah Yeah. As well, um, yeah yeah. basically they're, yeah. they're just coming out with all these singles they're building music creating yeah. stuff yeah and they're trying to get it released so they released ep1 in 1999 ep2 in uh 2000 2000 yeah yeah or so yeah i think so yeah somewhere in between 99 and 2001 obviously yeah and, and then, then it brings us to simple things their debut yeah. full-length album in 2001 yeah yeah so that's really great that's um turns out where i first where the song comes from that I first heard Zero Seven, right? Okay, yeah. um, which, so that's exciting. It was their first album, yeah. Uh, collection of laid back soul, yeah. acid jazz, yeah, uh, funk, yeah. Yeah, these guys are funky. I don't know if that's been said too, but yeah. we said groovy, but I would add a little funk in there too. Yeah, for sure. You know, chill funk, yeah. um, and it had they had collaborators with respected vocalists like Moses. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with, but Sia, yeah, yeah. Um, Sophia Barker. So yeah, good stuff. I mean, great. Yeah. Um, I don't, do we want to play a track off that right now? Yeah. I think we have one loaded up. This was, I'll tell you the quick little story. This is when I was as a busser at a fine dining restaurant and yeah. I would they would play this on the the playlist and I'd just be bussing tables, working, putting my head down and yeah. this song would come on, yeah. offer a little glimmer of hope to get through the day.
1: And it's called In The Waiting Line, right? There, this. An apt title. There we go. <laughs> Line from zero seven from their debut album, Simple Things. So you can hear um, Sia's
0: beautiful voice. Not on that. That's not Sia? No. Oh, who's <laughs> that? What,
1: that's what I thought as well. There's an artist called Sophie Barker. Oh, that's Sophie Barker. Yeah, Sophie Barker. Well, Sophie Barker, yeah. Barker's beautiful yeah. voice, I mean. Yeah. I mean, when it came out, I thought I thought it was Sia on every track, but it... Um, yeah. Because back then... Um, not like now on spotify where you can see the featured artists like you just have the back of the cd case with the names of the tracks right and they wouldn't always call out who's the, on the features there. and stuff yeah unless you open the little booklet and go and through and it dig you know, in back in the day yeah <laughs> that was fun though yeah and i remember that that like we talk about nostalgia for me for this album like i remember i was working my first ever job in london and uh it was like an office job. It was this little production company and sometimes we would play like music, like loud. And so on my lunch break, I went out, I went to like the local record store, bought like a few different records and CDs. And uh, one of them was zero seven and like, I, bumped, I started bumping it like on the speakers in the office, Nice, like, you know, and uh, reminds me of that time, this album a lot, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, yeah. yeah. Nice, yeah. yeah,
0: again, like you said, yeah. um, nostalgia yeah it hits it, it seems to be a pretty consistent thing throughout yeah. and you could hear on just how chill and nice sounding
1: yeah. uh the their music sounds like a like a memory yeah kind of mm. when you listen to it some nice way to say something about uh music yeah. i haven't heard that sounds like a memory like yeah. That. yeah yeah I, I know as a compliment in yeah, a good yeah way of course yeah <laughs> not in a bad <laughs> like a traumatic here. memory no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah your music sounds like a yeah. memory I don't, yeah, yeah that i can't remember yeah, exactly yeah Although music can do that though if you Oh well, yeah. That's the thing, right? The same smells, colours, mm-hmm. music, sounds can remind you of anything, good or bad. Yeah. But Yeah. Hopefully for the most part we hope the music is a memory of a mm-hmm. a fond time, a nostalgic time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think
0: I mean you could hear from that song we played how how delicate and intimate the music is. Most of the music's like that. Yeah. Whether it's uh Radiohead um um remix. Yeah. Think of these words, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, or if it's their own material, um, and that's kind of one of the consistent things. They got this groovy bass, these solid drum track. Just sounded real pretty, and just getting that groove down, and just sucks you in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then just takes you away. Definitely. Yeah. So, anyway, good stuff. The whole album's like that. That's probably maybe my favorite album of theirs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, maybe even one of their highlights of their career. Yeah. I don't know. If, maybe that's going too far because they have a lot of good stuff. But great place to start if you want to listen to Zero Seven. Yeah. Um, let's let's move on to the next. Yeah. Album. Got anything else?
1: Um, I have more to say, but I'll I'll loop back. I mean, this is this. Either way, we can this loop, album is loop a, her out. <laughs> Either way, I mean, well, <laughs> like uh, the interesting thing about their collaborations is. Uh, they don't try to force it. Like they said that, um, for example, like with Sia, um, I'm not sure how they met her. Actually, I think it was through some mutual friends or something at the time. Cause mm-hmm. She wasn't like famous or anything. She was right, you know just out there singing, trying to meet people and stuff. And she just London. moved from Australia, right? Exactly. Yeah. So who? Yeah, yeah. who was yeah. she? How did yeah. that yeah. is interesting. We, I yeah. didn't find any specifics on that, but yeah, I don't know her backstory, so that'll be interesting, but. Um, Basically, like they were saying, you know, they'd they'd try out lots of different singers on lots of different tracks and sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. They said sometimes they'll just play a lot of stuff to singers and they would be like not into it, wouldn't work, or they would cherry pick. And they said that's kind of what happened with Sia. Sam said she was kind of like a hurricane when she like comes into the studio because she's kind of like a bit high energy type person. Right um but very confident and he said that you know she was just basically like yeah play me what you got play me what you got and it was like yeah i like this this and this like they start recording kind of thing Mm -hmm. and then she'd figure out like melodies and things like that and or using melodies that they've already written and so that um one of the tracks like i think it was destiny or something like that which is the big track that sears on from Mm -hmm. that album right um apparently had someone else completely on it before it and it wasn't working for them and it was one of the tracks that Sia picked to do something on, and it just worked. And like, and she, it, yeah, she ended up being on a few tracks from that album. Like, um, that's that's
0: yeah, because yeah, basically, Zero Seven was featuring Sia and these yeah. other vocalists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she wasn't technically a part of the group.
1: No, although she did go on two with them. Um, but I mean, on that first album, that like but, yeah. by um,
0: yeah, um, what do you call it? By proxy, she became yeah. part of the group because she was so involved with the band over three consecutive
1: albums. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we see this a lot with, um, we've talked about Jazzanova and Bonobo as mm-hmm. pre- on previous episodes. And both of those artists have had multiple uh, different vocalists featured on the album. But of course, when you go on tour, you can't really have all of those people on tour with you because they're doing their own things or whatever and stuff like that. Um, so I know, like, with um, Jazz Nova, they found one guy that could kind of approximate all of the features, which is crazy. Oh. Like, his voice was sort of fit every song, even though the album had different people yeah. on those songs. And with nice. Bonobo, I think it was the same. There was, like, the singer that went on two of them was on a few tracks. Mm-hmm. But obviously, they also, Bonobo also had Eric Badu on a track and other people... They couldn't go on to right uh, but i think with seer and zero seven at that time you know they were both on the come up as you would say sort of right. thing and so the opportunity to tour and this album coming out kind of thing like yeah and you know they're pho- back in that time all the promo stuff they were photographed as a band and seer was in the photos oh and yeah stuff like that yeah with a couple of other members that nice. were just band members sort of thing yeah uh-huh. you know? but um but, yeah, I mean, like, just, yeah, about the collaboration thing, it was just, uh, that's the thing, is they're, um, uh, yeah, they're just, they're open, they're not pushy. They also say that they're, like, worried about asking certain people later on in their career, assuming that they would say no for mm. some reason or something. But it's kind of the way they've worked with these collaborations. Is, um, but they basically the reason they wanted the collaborations is they wanted, they didn't just want to do instrumental music they wanted to make songs and right that's like where you know why they started songwriting and
0: but neither harry bins or sam Hardiker were like vocalists no really yeah, you know yeah like from yeah. the beginning they were teenagers just fell in love with music yeah slowly over time got good at producing and yeah they were never artists no they were never singers no no but yeah. like you said that's that's a cool part of the story they want to create songs so they have to find a way yeah how bring some people in to do what we we can't do, or we can't think. Yeah, we exactly. think we can't do it. Yeah, yeah, turns out at least one of the, they both sing in the in the band later on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm um, not sure
1: if Sam does, but Henry
0: definitely. At least sang, for sure, yeah. Henry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, doing strong lead vocals, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that's one of the cool things about Zero Seven is you kind of see this growth from from nu- just teenagers to artists and producers. Yeah. You know, at a very high level. Yeah. Of proficiency. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just kinda yeah, kinda cool to see the nar- their narrative play yeah. out like that slowly. Definitely, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. What yeah. else you got on Simple Things? Um, that was about it, but it was pretty a big release and um yeah. it was nominated for a Mercury music prize. And like I said, um, it's still playing on the radio at restaurants and stuff oh, yeah. today. So Yeah, there's definitely obviously made waves. Definitely tracks off of that that are on album uh, on T V shows, mm-hmm. films cooking tv shows i've heard as well <laughs> very good very nice. um but yeah but it led to touring uh with Sia. i think they played glastonbury and stuff like that mm-hmm. the big festivals um and uh, even some of the shows they said they had like 20 people on stage which like must include like a mini orchestra or something as well I right think, like. yeah so pretty crazy and then yeah 2004 when it falls is their second album and uh They's, Sam said it was um, it was a different moment in their life because the first album came together through all of these different separate songs and EPs that they did. Right. Whereas When It Falls was like, okay, you guys are successful now. You're going to go into the studio and write an album. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was like, uh, you know, there's, the, there's always that pressure. Also, there's the follow-up pressure, you know, that used to be a thing of like, you had one successful album, now you have to, and they, I'm that, sure they experienced that because yeah, they yeah. had a a strong first album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. that, you know, a lot of people were listening to had yeah. different features. So there's a lot of energy surrounding it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously it carries on to this day. Yeah. yeah so yeah. still
1: making waves. Yeah. Um, how so, do you think they did with their, I think their it's sophomore a sophomore effort. I think it's great. I think it's, an, uh, it feels more cohesive to me. It feels more mature. Um, same Uh, general style same yeah general style again for me a lot of um tracks that remind me a lot of um air right um and uh again they got some great features on here Moses again Sia again Sophie Barker again uh, an artist called Tina Deco or Daiko I don't don't know how to pronounce unfortunately um but yeah I think it's I think it's a great album and it, it doesn't translate for me when they talk about like sam talked about it was a struggle to put together basically he said he said said there was a timeline on it they had to deliver it by a certain time he said they feel like they didn't have enough ideas or material to warrant finishing it kind of thing right um and also i think they had a lot of personal things in their lives that were going crazy as well Mm -hmm. he didn't allude into what was going on there but um but for me, it's great. I, I love it. I would listen to this album in its entirety. Um, Same, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, the
0: first three are... Yeah. It's kind of like a trilogy. I think so, yeah. It feels like a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all all three feature... The third one also features Sophia Barker and Sia, is that right?
1: Um, I think so. Same. I think Sia's pretty much been... Sia was yeah. definitely on that yeah, one. Yeah, she's definitely on there. Um, I think... Jose Gonzalez... Which right. we'll talk about in a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, should we spin a, a, a track off when it falls? If you got people one, thing? Um, I picked out this one called "Look Up," which I liked. I think it's. I think it's my favorite one. Of my, yeah, I think I obviously picked only one, so that's my <laughs> favorite. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. the one. <laughs> there we go. zero seven from their second album when it falls it's an instrumental obviously no features on that one but and it sounds like a harmonica or mouth organ or maybe a accordion solo happening Um, in there i thought it sounded like a harmonica i think it's one of
0: those Uh, things you hold and it's like a keyboard but you blow into it
1: oh okay the uh Damon Albarn uses that a lot Uh huh. on yeah. Gorillaz stuff. Yeah. Is that what it is? I think, I can't okay. think of the name though. Mm, it's not Mellotron, is it? No. I have no idea. No, yeah. I can't. I know, sp- I know it. I know it. We're musicians. We yeah, know it. Yeah. <laughs> they exist. I Vibraphone? Never... No. No. I just can't get it. Yeah. What is it? Let's uh, say something interesting. I'll okay. see if I can find the name. <laughs> okay, well, here's what I was gonna say okay.
0: because zero seven. I think I was trying to do my own little research right here, yeah. Um, after the fact, during our episode, yeah. but their next album is Garden that comes up, yeah. and around this time, two thousand four, zero seven was featured on the popular movie Garden State. Oh yeah, okay. Um, featuring
1: Zach Braff. Yes. The- starred and wrote and directed that i saw that movie it's a good movie yeah um
0: was that natalie portman's in it too i think yeah yeah Yeah. and then it's it's i think it's kind of a well-regarded uh playlist of music yeah yeah kind of made the rounds and everyone a lot of you know music people appreciate the the awesome music that's on there and zero seven had one song on there yeah Um, that was a cold play song the shins have
1: two songs yeah there was um a a lot of great music on that it was Mm -hmm. a kind of yeah, even watching the movie, the music was kind of integral to that movie. Yeah, uh, in some way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean, you could find this on uh, Spotify streaming for free. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Garden State music from the motion picture. Nice. Came out 2014. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not exactly sure when that came out. Obviously, the music came out, and then they put it in the movie. Yeah. So it was around 2004, 2005. Right. And then all this stuff. I'm trying to loop it together because their album went in I think 2005 was called Garden.
1: Yeah, but has no relation to Garden State, the movie. No, this coincidence. They said they called it that because of the artwork. They are inspired by the artwork that was created. Okay, for the album cover, and that's what led them to call it the Garden. Okay, cool. So,
0: yeah, and yeah, great. And so that has more contributions from Sia, and then also Swedish star Jose Gonzalez. Yeah, like you said. Yeah. I guess maybe you had a couple of things to mention about that, but um, they yeah. they had work on there that was nominated for a Grammy in two thousand
1: seven. Yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, slight pause. Melodica is the name. Of Melodica. Instrument. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we <laughs> got it. Here's a picture. There it is. Okay, we knew.
0: It. I knew. I didn't need the picture. I, you know, that's for everybody. Yeah. But I, yeah, <laughs> we knew what we were talking about, guys. Yeah, exactly. I, I never,
1: I never played one. I don't dislike the sound of that, but I think it has to be used in a certain way in the right in the right time. It has to right be the right thing. time, the right yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, and
0: yeah. Damon Damon uses
1: it pretty. He uses fairly... it a lot, or well, I think he uses it. A lot. Well, I, I just good the, times. Um, I, did the right amount of times, but he does use it a lot. Yeah,
0: I he, yeah. he definitely uses it, but yeah. I just think it, it works for the gorillas' kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. how it's kind of yeah, yeah. spacey and ethereal, but kind of like a harmonica. So it's kind of yeah. it feels kind of folky, but also kind of electric. Very yeah. electronic, and, uh, and it kind of gives it a weird little vibe, in wherever it it pops up. But Obviously, Damon Albarn and the
1: Gorillas. Well, here's an interesting weird energy aside because yeah, he also used it on this um, one-off collaboration album he called he did called Mali music. He went to Mali in Africa and recorded with all of these like East African musicians. Mm-hmm. East Africa, right um, and uh, he used it. on on that as well on that album okay, Uh, sparingly but it was like haunting kind of Mm -hmm. yeah sort of with the rest of the backdrop of the that style of music probably yeah it was like sort of slow african music the way they recorded the album there's a lot of like room atmosphere it sounded like a lot of musicians Mm -hmm. in a room and then you'd hear his like haunting melodica melodies here and there it's kind of creeping in yeah Mali music. It's a good album, actually. I'll have to know. check that yeah. out, too. Yeah, he got yeah. interested, and he would go yeah. over
0: to, to Africa yeah, yeah. pretty consistently for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, I think through that. To learn about the, their culture and the music and everything.
1: Yeah, and I think he was doing something like UNICEF or something like that, mm-hmm. and that's how that album came about, a little bit, something like that. Nice. But, um, yeah, Something like that. Something like that.
0: This is Rooster Grooves. <laughs> we don't do research that much. <laughs> we okay? just do something like that. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. That's good enough. <laughs> Print.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So that's,
0: yeah, they got a Grammy or nomination in 2007 for Garden.
1: Yeah. Uh, Did you have anything to say about Jose Gonzalez right now? Yeah. I mean, so he came about in like the similar time, early 2000s. Swedish. Yeah. Pop star? Yeah. Question mark? Well, not really a pop. He's like an acoustic singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had this one album out called Veneer. And it's just it's super chill. Basically, just him and a guitar mm. and pretty stripped down, yeah. But it's like not, um, it's not in your face acoustic singer songwriter music, it's very, very chill, very light, very like precious sounding in a way. Mm. There's another way I describe it. Precious, um, yeah. The good, I'm just I saw a couple of tracks on here that, um, uh, if you want to go spin them, slow moves, which is the first track off of that, and a track called Crosses. They're just very they're like sort of rhythmic and a little bit mm, hypnotic i would say like his music is kind of hypnotic in a way mm-hmm. which is interesting and um and yeah so basically he appears on a couple of tracks on this album uh, let me see one two three four five He's, so a lot. yeah or four tracks and then there's an acoustic version of one of them two of those tracks they said that he wrote and two of them zero seven wrote and uh it was i think they got put together maybe with some label people like a meeting and um they're a, like a, we need some
0: vocalists yeah we so don't they, have any in our he, band
1: He's a hip artist right C now. he is leaving exactly <laughs> <laughs> and uh and they played some tracks to him and then he said yeah i like it let's let's do something and the sound was a little bit like like, Well, like, he was kind of like, he, he described Jose Gonzalez as um, he can come across as shy, but Sam said he's actually like a confident person, I think, mm. in his ability and his music and stuff like that. And so he would, but he wasn't very vocal or talkative about what he liked about music. He just mm-hmm. liked it and said he'd do it. And I think he was like very busy in that time. They said he was like in between touring and he basically. They had a few meetings with him. He came into the studio for a couple of sessions, recorded these, and then that was it. And then they tried to get in contact with him and again and they couldn't get in contact with him because he was on tour and busy yeah. and stuff like that. Um but uh it, yeah, he's a but he's a really good artist. I haven't listened to his stuff since Veneer, and Veneer came out in two thousand six, his mm-hmm. solo album. But he, but that album is just like incredible and I, I kind of want to like check out what he's done since then, like recheck back in. Maybe we'll do an episode about him. I'm not sure what the sound of what he's doing is right, right now sort of thing. But but his collaboration with Zero Seven 7 just fit very neatly with what he was doing solo-wise kind of thing in that time.
0: There was just a, a, a time of synchronicities for these artists. Yeah. I came think together so. and they Which had happens. to share that energy. They Same attracted Sia, each other, right? Yeah. it was a synchronous, the right. see thing. She Jose needed, and, she needed yeah. them. They needed her kind of thing. Yeah, let's yeah. work together. Yeah, yeah. Make something great. Yeah. And everybody went on their way. Yeah. That's great. Um, um, and then, so yeah, what? that's, that's what we got on, on Garden, right? Are we on Yagost? Uh, Well, let's play this one track. Oh, we got a track to play. I'm sorry, but yeah. I don't mean to be rushing. <laughs> We're not in a rush.
1: Just one track, and then we can read one um, the, the, from the Garden called Today with Jose Gonzalez. I'm excited. Um. I think it sounds kind of familiar to me. You might have heard it as well. I'm not sure. But here we go.
2: all exposed
1: Day from Zero Seven featuring Jose Gonzalez from their third album, second album, second album, Garden, The Garden.
0: That's like their third album. Third
1: album. <laughs> Already losing track. Yeah. There we That's go. all good. Um,
0: yeah. So, I mean, good song. He's a little bit of a, I think, I mean, kind of pop
1: sensibilities as far as vocals go. Like a little bit more to the poppy, I guess. Yeah, but I would, uh, I would encourage you to check out his album "Veneer" and see what you think to that. Because I don't, th- that wouldn't. You might think it's poppy, but I don't think it would. I don't know. No, it's maybe very, I don't. I don't even know yeah. what I'm talking about, yeah. Jay. Yeah, I just say things and hope it's <laughs> hope it sticks on the I wall. mean, it was mainstream when it came out, so I guess that's a that's pop. But I think pop. Yeah, I guess is popular, I'm, I'm right? probably yeah. saying something more along. Yeah. I'm trying to say more mainstream. Okay, like yeah. just clear. Yeah, yeah.
0: Sounds like his vocals were doubled through a lot of that. Right, yeah, yeah, but But still kind of crisp
1: yeah. and like clean melody over the top of the music is what I mean, I guess. I think he's one of these singers that has that um, recording technique on their vocals where they double it up mm-hmm. and it has that very specific sound. Right? Mm-hmm. I think there's a few artists that do that. I'm trying to think. And it's like their style um, point. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There was someone I was thinking about, but I can't think of the name right now, where, yeah, they get that kind of thick vocal layer Like processing sort of thing, and I think it's like a doubling up. Mm -hmm. It's not a melody; it's like singing the same thing, the same or something, same register, Mm -hmm. something like that. I don't know. It's like like a a drone note. It's kind of yeah, over in the back. It's like adding a bass or something to the the high, but it's doesn't. It's not like wildly different, right? It's like close, similar sounding. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think (laughs) because it's singing the same. It's not doing like a crazy melody in Ohio, yeah. a higher register that's off it's, it's like, just building yeah. a texture yeah yeah building a texture yeah. on the same vocal yeah. part yeah to give it a little bit more dimension yeah i think then we're on the same page yeah yeah and that's what they were saying about um uh, sam was saying about him he said that uh about jose gonzalez that if you listen to his solo stuff it's very stripped down it sounds very simple mm-hmm. um but he, but sam said he's someone that clearly um, understands or is interested in recording techniques and how you produce things. Right. Um, he said he listens to a lot of like electronic music and all kinds of music, Jose. Mm-hmm. So, but the music he does himself is like this hypnotic acoustic kind of chill. Right. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. No, cause so, I, I yeah. was doing a little bit yeah. of research on him and he was
0: yeah. into like when he was a kid, like 12 years old, he was listening to stuff like Michael Jackson, mm. Bob Marley and the Wailers.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah. On that. Yeah, yeah. But just a little context there. The eclectic influences. That's mm-hmm. the interesting thing about these artists we cover is like, you know, a lot of them listen to wildly different influences than what is the output and they of their music. Come together and, yeah. and build some that Yeah. Obviously people appreciate like stuff that Zero Seven comes out with yeah, yeah. pretty consistently. That's what some of the people have been saying lately about Zero Seven is like they've they have they've kind of veered off a little bit from doing Zero Seven albums. And they've been doing other things and still making tracks together, but they said they've been making tracks, think they them themselves thinking it was something wildly different, and mm. they play it to people, and people will be like, "Oh, that's the zero oh, <laughs> like, yeah yeah, it's like one of those situations where it's like no matter what they do, they can't help but sound like themselves, right, which is We're, kind of a maybe a compliment I, don't I, know, I was, I don't was know. about to say that's a yeah. huge
0: compliment, yeah. if you're trying to like let's, let's do a house song, mm. yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're like, look, we did something so different. You wouldn't even yeah, recognize exactly, us. Yeah. And everyone's like, you guys did it again. It's exactly, dark. exactly. It's just like zero 07, but it's a house track. It's like we worked really hard to not have that happen. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, testament to their abilities and, and their, their natural, yeah. whatever kind of energy they draw and, and put through their music and communicate that to the listeners. Yeah, yeah. People like to listen to it, yeah, yeah. And it. And it's attractive and it's magnetic. Definitely, yeah. In, a, in yeah. an attractive way, because I know yeah. magnets can repel as well. Oh, yeah. Science, science. Uh, so let's move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was Garden, two thousand seven. They got a Grammy for it. They were they go to Yeah Ghost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What year was this, Jay? Uh, two thousand nine. Because I didn't put that in my notes. So two years later. Yeah. Bouts. Um. Yeah. Da-da-da-da. There was a retooled mix of kind of pop influenced electronica on this. Yeah. Day. Mm-hmm. Um. Ambient jazz. Yeah. Uh. So a little bit of a little bit of a step yeah it's a step away at least they're trying to push yeah towards something new try something a little bit different here's the
1: vibe i'm getting yeah i will say it's my least favorite out of all of them Mm -hmm. um i i feel like maybe i need to go back into it and listen to it for its own thing
0: there's there's a lot of things going on this is
1: also i wanted to mention this one
0: the first album that c is not on yeah so she left the group Right prior to this album being yeah. made. Yeah. Uh, between two thousand seven and two thousand nine, I guess. Yeah. Um, to work on her own stuff. And yeah. so yeah, they they tried to retool themselves a little bit. Yeah. One of their main vocalists is not with them anymore. Yeah. A little bit of a different energy. They're still trudging on,
1: they still come up with good stuff. Yeah. But yeah. And I think again it's like a, maybe an album that fell together like their first one. And here's some here's the beginnings of some weird parallels from where they began began to mm-hmm. where they're going and everything like that is because apparently they said um in, in 2007 the year after the garden came out they created uh um a band a new band called ingrid ito ingrid ito um some people described it as a zero seven instrumental project um they said in 2009 they released an experimental instrumental ep under a different name called Kling, and it was a cling ep as as the ep that they came out with but then eventually they basically re-did those songs and put them into the zero seven album yeah ghost okay so it seems like they were stepping away ex- creating trying to create different projects mm-hmm. being experimental but then ultimately sort of re it back in to yeah, Ghost, which is kind of like how I would say they, you know, when they first did simple things, they started with just an EP, not really calling themselves Zero Seven, or when they were writing it, but they put it just out. On commencing 07. with the creation of stuff, just, and then just doing the creation, seeing yeah. what happens, and dealing with it after the. Work. Yeah, and then you know, so it's, it seems like a similar thing happened here a little bit. Um, although they're further along in their career, they've done a lot of stuff at this point. Right. Um, but they're still creatively trying to be experimental and trying to sort of maybe move themselves out of their sort of imposed boxes or whatever. Like creatively, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like that was kind of what they were doing here, and you can hear it. I think on this album, it's not. It's not the same um, smoothness. Uh, it's funny because I think Sam at a certain point said that you know he wanted to create songs and you mm-hmm. want to create instrumental stuff. But on this, it feels like they've kind of gone away from the song thing and gone back more into like an experimental electronic phase mm-hmm. of doing things sort of thing. Although there's still yeah. vocals on this album. Yeah, there are. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they have, uh, they do have some features on this. Um, yeah. For one, they, they align themselves with a new singer. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Eska.
0: Yeah. tongue, Tung, Tung uh, uh, bro, just absolutely <laughs> cannot do it. Eska, there's there's an M at the beginning of this name. I is that right or is that a typo? M Tungwazi. Oh no, Tung- she goes by Eska. Eska? Yeah. But well, you saw that last Eska. name? Yeah. I didn't know. I, didn't uh, see I have a M T U N G W A Z I. Okay, I didn't see that. Hey, let us know, know if I'm way off base yeah, yeah, yeah. or if I'm doing good research. You guys, let me know. But Eska, either way.
1: Yeah. Uh, And there's another um, feature here from a lady called Martha Tilston. I don't know. Jackie Daniels, not Jack Daniels, Jackie Daniels. Jackie Dan. Who doesn't have anything on Spotify other than the feature. Two score for cool. Yeah, two score for cool. Um, Baby Monster. I think they did a remix of a track. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's uh yeah. There are vocals on this and like the Esker track is kind of poppy, I thought. Um Right, I think but yeah. yeah I think she helped put a little bit more emphasis on pop. Yeah, to, that's to more of a well. song. I think it's the second track on that called Mr. McGee. <laughs> Mr. McGee. And uh that's more of a song structure, but the rest of them they, they have like weird build ups, strange middles. Mm-hmm little bit like going a little bit crazy right in, i mean in interesting ways though giving themselves a little bit of a, a longer leash at yeah. time,, yeah yeah at yeah.
0: times yeah um i i have a quote jay okay about why it's called the yeah ghost all right because okay. why is that what does that mean yeah i don't know mm-hmm. i have a quote uh sam Hardiker says the track sounded slightly like a ghost at first we didn't quite know how to get them to move on you know somehow we had to live with that for a while. Throwing those two random words together kind of got that across for me. Hmm. It was like giving a shout out to the ghosts who've been living with us in the studio for a couple of years.
1: It felt like a haunted studio for a while. Wow. That's what Sam said. I would like to think about that emotion and go listen to the album. Again that, that's a good like, little thing yeah. to have yeah, in yeah. your
0: head as you as you listen to that album. And Absolutely. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Dre. yeah. Everyone go do
1: that right now. Frame it. That, maybe that's the thing. It's like, it's one of these albums where it needs a little bit of context for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, exactly.
1: That could be the difference for you. Like maybe uh, just, it probably wouldn't be that way if it was like an album that came out and I hadn't heard anything previously then mm-hmm. I wouldn't be trying to compare it in my mind or whatever. And stuff right. Like that. I think that's what I was doing with this. I was like
0: going into uh, the, the next yeah. album with the same context as
1: yeah, an earlier album, which I think which which happens with with artists, right? Um, where you kind of do that, but it's like well, here's a reference: Kid A, Radiohead, right? A lot of people thought that was a crazy, massive departure from regular Radiohead stuff. No guitars, yeah. A lot of program sounding drums and yeah. a lot of electronics. Um, actually, um, Henry from 07 has a credit as doing some sample work on Kid A. Oh, really? Yeah. So he did like work um, with them. And I think Nigel Godrich has done some work with the 07 as well. Nice. Like Nigel Godrich being Famous. radiohead producer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. But like for me, when I got Kid A, I loved it. I don't know i was just like maybe it was early i mean i loved uh, okay computer and i thought it was ex- i thought that was experimental i talked about it before of like paranoid android being yeah. like the bohemian rhapsody of yeah. music because of how complex the arrangement is and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff um and uh yeah kid a for me i liked it like and uh, tom york has done some solo stuff which is kind of in the same vein as kid a as well like, mm-hmm um yeah like stuff uh, adams yeah. for peace yeah 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 mm-hmm. um or his his tom his, york solo stuff. solo stuff yeah um so yeah i mean it's a it's a thing it's like and maybe it's just a weird jarring thing for zero seven because you know you've been listening to this sort of chilled down tempo solely thing mm-hmm. and, and then now you get to this album that's like uh, is it what's, what is <laughs> it's not same? that's not the same vibe but yeah. And you, you come to yeah. this crossroads with yeah, almost yeah, every yeah. band and the it's fans true. Yeah, like
0: yeah. like if you don't change then your audience is like they never change they do the same thing every time oh yeah but if yeah. you change then they're like well they changed. it's not what I why I like this band <laughs> yeah they yeah. went a different direction yeah like what do you want them to do yeah yeah you lose either way Jay yeah yeah it's true I'm just kidding we're all winners <laughs> okay um that's that's all I got on yeah Ghost. That's their last LP, right? Yeah, full length LP. Uh, their
1: last full length. Twenty uh, was it nineteen? That came out, I think. Let's go with that. I don't know oh no, two thousand nine. Even even longer ago. Oh yeah, yeah. Ten, just ten years off. Yeah, <laughs> just ten years <laughs> off. Um, since then, uh, in twenty fourteen, they came out with an EP called Simple Science. Um. And then in 2018 they released one track called Mono. And in 2019 they did Swimmers, which is a track that you picked out on on the playlist here. Featuring... Yeah, that that was another one I put on our list of
0: potential songs to play. Yeah, yeah. Because it was uh, it was one as I was looking through songs and stuff, I realized I'd already liked. This oh okay. Song oh nice. Okay. Based off like a random playlist that Spotify was playing okay. even up to years ago. I just had it sitting in my phone as a yeah. with a little heart next to it that I hit right during a random playlist at some point in my life. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is Zero Seven. Okay.
1: Nice. Cool. So that's a good that's a good track. Cool. I haven't cool. heard it actually, so it's, we might we might play out with that. Yeah, um, it's a good one. I like it. And then most recent thing was in August of twenty twenty, uh, a single called Shadows and uh, in October of 2020, they released an EP called Shadows as well with four tracks. Nice. Um, so it, this is what I say about them coming full circle a little bit. is like they've done all these albums, the last full length one being 2009. But then since then, they've just been doing EPs and songs. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not entirely sure why that is. I think it's uh, partly uh, their creative process. It's partly the long, how long they've been going. It's been like 20 years. I mean, now, that, yeah, at this point, know. they've been a band for yeah. a minute. And it might also be like the, the scene of music right now as well, mm-hmm. where albums, even though every artist is still prizing the album as a body of work to work on and release, the listeners are not uh, consuming the albums in the same way or well, like the, the mass listeners aren't, you know. It's like, it's like, like songs, artists still realize but, yeah. how,
0: how valuable it is yeah. to release yeah. and how awesome it is to release a body
1: of work altogether, yeah, meant to be listened to in this order. And I think true fans are as well, like the people that will go to the live shows, mm-hmm. probably listen to the albums, but but for everyone else, it's about the song culture, or yeah, what, you know. Um, so. I haven't heard them talk about that, but I feel like, you know, it's 20 years on now or in a different time. Um, But it seems like from what I have read about, I think it might be more to do with their creative process. And I think uh, Henry did say in an interview, like they're older now and it takes them like longer to like dig something, Mm -hmm. like to be into something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it doesn't come as like quickly to them anymore to like, oh, here's something we wrote we like it you know it's mm-hmm. like it's it's the process has slowed down a bit for them now where they're just like mm, they're, we they're, did this but we're not like so hot about it to release it yeah or like you know it's like <laughs> they're, they're jaded yeah, maybe yeah i don't know what's going on in their lives i don't know if they're like super financially successful from all of this or not right i don't know like um yeah i don't know if they're like having to do other stuff to pay the bills. I mean, I wonder. Right. Yeah. But a band,
0: yeah. as a band in this state of uh, I know of, 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 of accomplishment. Yeah. They should have been getting paid. You know, yeah. like their music. Like I, yeah. like I said, we yeah. heard it at yeah. in restaurants and stuff. Yeah. Twenty years after the fact. And in
1: films and TV shows, right? Oh, their tracks get used. Yeah, like yeah. we said,
0: Garden State. So yeah, I mean, yeah. if they're not getting paid enough, I mean, this is a band that would I would say they deserve to, and they've put in the work. Yeah. And they've like their music has paved out a little space for zero seven in the yeah in the
1: zeitgeist yeah so well, here's a you know how i like to throw back my references to, f- to previous episodes oh, yes yeah so what do we got i'm going all the way back to episode one. Ooh, <laughs> krongbin <laughs> krongbin yeah uh dj drummer from Krungbin. um he was i remember this because it stuck with me for some how he he was quoted as saying i'm paraphrasing obviously um, if you're looking to get rich out of music, like forget about it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. And that's him from Krungbin and they we think they're doing pretty well. Yeah, like, and they're they're on you know, tour. They have they're always albums on tour out. though. Is the thing I see. They're always crazy touring schedule. And like, and, so, and that goes to yeah. show sure. that's that's yeah. the
0: way artists are making money right now is by yeah, yeah. relentlessly touring yeah, and yeah. selling merchandise on the tour. Yeah, not the album sales. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind so. of a shame. Yeah, and I mean that's rough because it's from what I know. I've never really been on a tour, but it's it's you know rough on your body and your your
1: mental state. Yeah, I mean it can be how depending on how you take care of yourself. Yeah, I was trying to imagine it the other day. I was like, I've always sort of kind of you know in music, I want to do everything once at least once. Yeah, maybe more, but like depends what it is. You know, definitely for me, I want to play big music festival once. Mm That would be cool. Uh, Like you know on the big stage, you know with the sea of crowd. Yeah, totally. There's nothing. You know as a performer that's probably like the pinnacle of performing mm-hmm. to, to perform in uh, the largest crowd possible yeah you know? yeah but for i don't know there's a whole nother things to unpack about that it's like well why would you want to do that do you have some ego i don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like as a performer you don't want to play you want to play for people um and i thought about this the other day. it's like well touring and then i started to imagine what it might be like to, be, to go on tour and it's like well maybe the reality would actually suck cuz you know you're like now you're living your day-to-day life doing the things you have to do like i am as well and all that if you go on tour you suddenly pause all of that mm-hmm. and now you're just in this like bubble of a a thing for like maybe a year yeah where you're just going from city to city playing the same songs every night uh you know getting trashed and tr- or trying not to get trashed mm-hmm. after the show like it's <laughs> like you know trying to eat healthy i know Crohn's been talked about this as well like trying to eat healthy whilst on tour yeah and not, and like not maintain just, your yeah, healthy yeah. habits yeah yeah so i could imagine it being just very kind of tiresome to not be able to just like oh, oh i'm just gonna take a week off i'm just gonna go home just stop for a second yeah like it could it could probably be a bit much like yeah I think I would so, thrive, Jay. Let's do well, it. Oh, well, that's the thing, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know until you're doing it, right? So, I mean, I mean right. yeah, that's why yeah. we got to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we've got to so, find out. Yeah, I think I'm down. Well, should we play out with swimmers? Because maybe we're swimmers Maybe in the sea of touring.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm swimming on the top of the crowd, yeah. surfing. surfing. Maybe, yeah, we, we swimmers or we well, surf? That's surfing? the name of your song, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, surfing in the sea. Great track, by the way. Check that yes. out. On Spotify, the candy flowers. The candy flowers out everywhere. Surfing in the sea. It's really, I still want to make a music video for that.
0: Hey, let's do it, 2022. Yeah. yeah. I would be down. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. If you guys got any um, tips, info on
1: 07, yeah. we'd like to hear about it. Yeah. Um, hit us up at the email J Roots to Grooves at signalradio.com. That's S I G N L radio.com. Roostergreaves.com as well. Go to Twitter. We just opened the Twitter. Oh, Username is Roostergreaves. Roostergreaves on Instagram as well. Tweet
0: us. Yeah. And we will tweet you.
1: Yeah, it's time to tweet. I'm going to, uh, yeah, we've got some interesting things I'll talk to you about. And then we'll talk the listeners about, we'll to about. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we got to go, <laughs> guys. Yeah. <laughs> got business. Thank uh, you for listening. We yeah. love
0: you. We're here for you. Yeah. We're playing out with Swimmers by 07.
1: Featuring Jim Cook.